Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Well, I am grateful for the praise team. This morning's music, especially ministered to me. Um, it's prop day. Did you know that? Show and tell. Should be fun. I don't hurt myself. <laughs> Now, how many people really weren't ready for Father's Day? Just it's here. Oh, okay, yeah, it happens. Yeah. Been there, done that. Well, hopefully, I'm bringing coffee up here, and it's like, pray for me. <laughs> now, it's, it's Father's Day, so I thought, how more appropriate could it be than to just share a few dad jokes? You know, and so if you don't have any, here's some for your arsenal. And uh, just listen carefully. So if you see a robbery at an Apple store, does that make you an eyewitness? <laughs> they are dad jokes. They're not my jokes. I am a dad, but anyway. Uh, what do you call a bear with no teeth? A gummy bear. What do you call a herd of sheep falling down a hill? A lamb slide. <laughs> They're bad. I'll tell you, they are dad jokes. What do you call a moose with no name? Anonymous, of course. What kind of sandals do frogs wear? Open-toed. I know, that was just really bad. Why did the picture go to jail? He was framed. <laughs> what invention allows us to see through walls? Windows. <laughs> I told you, they're bad. Uh, why did the coach go to the bank? To get his quarterback. Oh, why can't the sailor learn the alphabet? Because he kept getting lost at sea. A, B, C, what? What kind of music scares balloons? Pop music. Ooh, somebody's right on there. Oh, I must have stole someone else's joke. I'm sorry. What sounds like a sneeze and is made of leather? A shoe. What kind of music should you listen to while fishing? Something catchy. Yeah. Where does a sheep go to get a haircut? You all should know this one. The Baba shop. Especially in New England, right? Why should you never use a dull pencil? It's pointless. Uh, why was the football stadium cold? There were too many fans. What do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. <laughs> what do you call a medieval lamp? A nightlight. Uh, how does the rancher keep track of his cattle? With a calculator. How do you fix a broken pumpkin? A pumpkin patch, of course. Where do boats go when they get sick? To the dock. What do computers eat for snacks? Microchips. <laughs> what do you call getting paid to sleep? A dream job. What do you get when you cross a Smurf and a cow? Blue cheese. And lastly, where do you learn to make ice cream? The church answer is Sunday school, of course. <laughs> oh my goodness. How bad was that? <laughs> Worse than we thought, right? All right, we're going to pop the top and see how much I can spill. Recently, I had gone to a memorial service, which basically has kind of sparked um, where this message comes from. 
And it's like, oh, this should be fun. Um, and it really is because I was blessed um, incredibly at this memorial service. And it was because, as there is commonly now, uh, there was a time when people have an opportunity to kind of share thoughts, memories, et cetera, um, of the person who you know, is being represented or memorialized there. And it was one of those things where you heard the generational reach this person had over time. And it was just incredible because it wasn't that this person set out with pen and paper and said, okay, how am I gonna live my life every day so that these people can hear certain things and so that, that person can whatever. No, they just became a vibrant, what I call live out loud believer. To the point where, you know, there were so many testimonies where this, this, you know, this person had shared a meal or they had a crisis and that was the first place they went. Or it was one of those things where, you know, their siblings or some relative reached out and connected with them and had this kind of an impact. Um, and, it's, and I'll share, I say this at the end, but I'm going to say it at the beginning too because I'm going to sandwich it in. Our homes have probably the greatest potential for ministry and for people to see Christ in action than any other place on the planet. Um, and if, if our home isn't reflective of Jesus Christ, isn't filled with the word of God, isn't a place where people can come and hear or see those things in action, where can they go, really? So we're going to be in Psalm 78 today because we're staying with the Psalms in the summer. Hot time, Psalms in the summer. Anyway, uh, my brain always goes to music. It's the weirdest thing. But one thing I, I do not want to do this morning, I do not want to list a bunch of things that you must add to your life. I, I, I don't want that. My goal is to provide a context where you see your life as a catalyst for God, that you can live everyday life normally, vibrantly, with passion, with excitement, and not feel the, the weight of duty, but the joy of godly living. But not only one that will impact today, but generations to come. So let's dig in. Psalm 78. We're going to look at verses 5 through 8 today. I've tried to kind of edit down some things. Uh, if you're using the Bibles that are in the chairs there, it's page 672. I did it. All right, starting in verse 5. It says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Let's pray a moment. Fathers, we come before you this morning. Uh, we're asking for transformation, that your word will renew our minds, 
convert our hearts. Lord, that it would not be burdensome to hear what we hear today, but Father, it would bring joy. It would bring peace. It would bring the help we need to live in a way that is so reflective of you, but also reflective of the individuals you made each one of us to be. Lord, you're asking us to embrace those things, who we are, who you've knit into our very being to be able to be a witness and a testimony to this world. Lord, use these words today to show us how to do that most effectively and also in a way that your kingdom is impacted by more and more people coming into it. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So first off, we have verse 5. It says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children. So first off, it starts individually here. Okay, we're, we're looking at Jacob and kind of what God did through him and through his life. And the cool part about Judaism and the history that's there is it's so rich. And it's because it's been rehearsed over and over and over. I mean, that was the duty of a family was to make sure you're teaching your family everything that God had done. Those things that happened in life that were incredible. Because over time, things certainly get lost. I mean, I know for me, there are certain things I can't remember about my own history, let alone years and years prior that have happened. So unless we really get keyed into learning these things ourselves and passing them on, they will become lost. So it starts individually, and the whole idea there is you are transformed by the word. You are changed by it. Now, personally, Jacob had an established testimony with God, right? And it basically came down to there was an obedience, blessing, disobedience, judgment sort of a, a thing. And that is very true today. Um, I, I can't share enough how simple <laughs> Christian living is. A lot of people make it so hard. They, they try to add so, such a burden and a weight to it, and it's really just walking in obedience and yielding to what God says to do. And that's the thing. We get so focused on the to, to not do. But you know what? There's so much that God provides for us to do that when we get focused on those things and understand what they do, it far outweighs anything that we might be either sacrificing or giving up. Because we understand, wow, this is a much better option. Uh, and I, I say that because, you know, I do a, a pretty good amount of counseling with people. And they come in challenged by, you know, how did my life get here? What happened to bring me here? What situation brought me here? And it's just, you know, it's like Walt says, right? It's never the big jump from one side of the platform to the other. It's always, you know, I made a decision, 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 I'm here. That's how it happens. Now, it feels like I was just over there yesterday, and here I am today. But it's just those little choices sometimes that we make that, and again, I see it as trusting God. You know, I was faced with that situation when we were going into ministry. I was working in the world. The world? We always work in the world. Why do we put it that way? But anyways, I was working in a secular job, and God was calling me into ministry, and I was like, there's no way I can make that kind of a pay cut and live life. And God challenged my heart, and he's like, do you really trust me? Do you think that I can meet your needs or not? 
Do you have faith that I will take care of you? Or is this really all on your shoulders? And I was like, okay, I'm going to take you at your word, Lord, and I will do it. And he provided, 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 provided. And some of what this box is about, but I'm not there yet, so I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> like, what's with the box? All right, so it starts with you individually. You're transformed. Personally, you're transformed publicly. Uh, God's principles are your principles. You've adopted them. You're living them out. You're actually even refining them in some ways. Because that's the cool part of who we are as a people. Um, some of these things are easy for us, and some of these things are challenging for us to do. Living a certain way, being a certain way, eliminating certain things from our lives. Uh, but there's a lifelong journey that we all have that we get to work on those things. God's not about, you know, just... He, he's loving and faithful and long-suffering. Thank God he is long-suffering. Because he knows that we're just human. And that it's going to take some time. It's going to take... Uh, just, like, just like it takes many steps to get there, it works same with working towards godly things. Yeah, I can do this. I can do this level of that. I can do this level of that. And all of a sudden, you're like in this, I call it the blessing zone, where it's like, wow, I am humbled because why would God do this for me? Why would God do that for me? And it's because you've made these little steps, these little choices all along the way that bring you into this place to have a testimony like Jacob had. But it starts with transformation, and it starts with trust. Personally, we've got to be transformed. We've got to be changed into the best us. See, that's the cool part about God. God's not just trying to you know, mess with our lives. Like, oh, let's mess with them. No, he's like, how can I give them the best possible life on this sin-infected planet? How? How do I do that? Not that he's questioning. But how do I get them to believe that I can do that through them? And so it's like when we give that, when we yield that to God, it's that clay in his hands that is, is malleable and he can kind of push and shove and squeeze and whatever he needs to do with us because we're going to bend that way for him. We're transformed. But also, I'm going out on a limb on this one. <laughs> it's like I went back and forth at this point. <laughs> it's like, shit, I don't know. But parenthetically, all right, your words are sounding more like God's words. So it's like, yeah, they're your words and it's your life, but it's like, you know what? You're hearing God saying, you know, this is how I should live and this is what I should do and this is, these are the words that I need to be giving this person at this moment. This is how that should look. This is how that should sound. And we're making an impact because the thing is, is in order for us to be passing on all that God is doing in our lives, we've got to be talking about it. We've got to be recognizing it. We've got to be seeing it in such a way that not only that, we want to pass it on. I mean, I could stand here today and just, if I could just like raw and say, you know, if you want a good marriage, this is what it's going to take. If you want, this is what it's going to take. And it's like, if I did that, most people would just walk away and go, you're nuts. That's just not going to work. Because we need to get people just taking the next step to believe, the next step to believe. Because sometimes this journey, when you're talking about this place on the journey, sounds so far away from where we live that we can't even see it. And that's why God just says, trust me. You know, you think about the, the journey that Israel had, right? Long journey, crossing, bodies of water that, you know, they had no idea how that was going to work. 
trust me. And that's all they had to do. And at, at the very moment God needed to do something, he did something, and they made it. And then he wouldn't trust them when they got there. How crazy is that? But that's our humanness. And again, it's funny, our life group, we were talking about this, and it's just, we are so saturated by sin that's around us, and this, the world that's affected by it, and there's a struggle that we all have with it. And it's, it's just, can you imagine what it's going to be like? Because God's apart from that. He can see it all and believes it all and, you know, without it. But can you imagine what it's going to be like without it? When sin is gone and we're not affected by it, one little inkling? But see, that's where God's at already. And that's where he's saying, trust me. I can bring you on this journey. I'll provide for what you need. I will do these things for you. And that can happen now. We don't have to wait for heaven. We can literally have heaven on earth in a sense because we'll understand what God's saying and not let the cares of this world burden us and weigh us down and overwhelm us. All right, a couple things interesting today. I'm going to kind of have some varied applications because it's like today is Father's Day and most singles are like, well, I'm not a dad, I'm checking out. Eh, not today. Because for the single, you need to determine where you are in your journey and then grow from there. Because I thank you, Mel, for saying that. You know, we're oftentimes fathers by surrogate. Uh, there are people that we, you know, kind of get connected to and we become a father figure to them and we have input and impact and all that kind of influence in them. And that happens. And the same is true if you're here single today. You have an impact. You have a time to get involved with people's lives. You're, you have value and God wants to use you. So figure that out today. Where are you in your journey of God and what he has for you? Where do you stand with God and how do you take the next step? And then is your life patterned within the boundaries God provides for all of us? Just a couple of things to, to do to be prepared to take that next step of whatever that may look like. For the couple here today, build your lifestyle around godly living, developing godly habits. Because in the home, like I said earlier, that is the most vibrant and dynamic place to be able to let God be seen how you interact with each other, how you interact with friends, how you live your lives, the choices you make, they show up in our home. And it doesn't matter what we do outside, <laughs> the impact our homes have. And I say that after you know, 30 years of youth work and working with teenagers and what the home did for them, sometimes very positively and sometimes very negatively. But... Your Christian life should be the most obvious in your home and with each other. Family memorials are important to remember how God has worked. That's what this box comes from. Now, this box once upon a time was a scrapbook. Do you, you guys, any of you guys remember those <laughs> scrapbooks? Uh, but it was one of those things where uh, our kids, we wanted to teach them the importance of prayer, the, the importance of God's provision, and how all of that worked. And so we would put certain things, pictures, in a book, and the kids would pray for them. You know, God, if you wanted this in my life or that in my life, or I think I need this and whatever. And so that, that kind of went on where we would pray for things and see how God would answer. And it was cool to see how God would answer. And they were very unique situations. I mean, I've probably shared it before, but I'll share it again because just to me, it was huge for the kids that was the part that was really cool because it connected. 
they had, you know, you, you get the flyers, which are becoming know, more and more, I don't know, obsolete. But it was like, back in the day, we had flyers. They cut out this little, you know, one of those old tube kind of, you know, four legs and two swings. And that's what they were like, we want a swing set. And so we're like, all right, we cut it out. We put it in there. We're like, we're going to pray for it. We'll see how God answers that, whether it's through money or situation or whatever. And at the time, somebody that I worked with said, hey, we just bought this house and it has a swing set in the back. You know, do you know anybody who wants it? I'm like, oh, my kids are praying for one right now. I said, that would be great. They're like, you can have it. Just come get it, whatever. So first I went over in our car <laughs> to see it. And it was one of those crazy swings and slides and poles. And it was like, you know, going to Chuck E. Cheese in your backyard. That's how God, and I'm not saying he's going to answer those kinds of ways all the time. But this is how he answered my kids' prayer that time. And it was amazing because they just were, they would have been content with just a little, four little tuby poles and two little swings. They would have been content with that. But God opened their eyes to a world of, I will give you more than you will ask if your heart is open to me. And that spoke volumes the three little kids, well, maybe no, two little kids at the time, that was before M showed up, but hugely, and I, I don't want to be standing here going, you know, oh, it's about stuff. I'm not trying to say that. You know, God will give you all this stuff if you pray for it and that kind of thing. Because sometimes he, he, he removes things from our lives because that's what we need. But my message more greatly is, as these things happen in our lives, we have to not only note them, because in here, I guess I'll open it, because you're probably all wondering, well, what's in there? It's a swing set, no. Uh, actually, this is, this is the second of a third series. Uh, we are now in a smaller box with smaller things, because guess what, a box of rocks is really heavy. So, I mean, you can basically hold onto this and go into a twister and survive. It's full of rocks with, you know, blessings. Um, Man, why did I do that? Um, <laughs> it's full. Oh, wow, sorry. Uh, but I'd rather be this way than cold and heartless. Um, my wife takes these out and sits with my grandkids. And talks about God did this, and God did this, and God did this, and tells the story because it's awesome. And it's varied, and it's so crazy and unique how God brought certain things into this box to come. Simple, easy, little, seemingly, but the impact is huge on our family. The impact is huge on our children. The impact is huge on my grandchildren and on other people who have come into contact with them. Generation, generation, generation. And I know there's people in this room that are doing that now, and I'm not minimizing anything. Just trying to challenge to do more. But these memorials are what become part of your opportunity to reach generations. Because we forget. 
I mean, there, are, there have been incredible things that our kids have done, like crazy stuff, that we're like, oh, we need to write this down somewhere because we're going to forget this because this is just like crazy. It's funny. It's hilarious, whatever. And, and that happens if you don't do something to keep track of this stuff. It becomes so important. And I'm not, again, not trying to add burden to your life, but it's like it does help you because it's like there are times in our own journey when we're in the valley and we need this box. Because there are days when God is going to feel far, far away or feel like nothing's happening or feel like he's not even listening or my prayers are just hitting the ceiling. And we are reminded of, no, I'm faithful. I do this. I will do this. I will continue to do this. You just need to do what I've told you. And this becomes something that ministers to us even. Verse 6 says, The generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they would arise and declare them to their children. Those things that we were just talking about. And the whole idea here is we have starts individually, it spreads generationally. The next generation knows it, declares it. I mean, the, the, the most exciting thing for me to hear is when my kids are repeating stuff that either my wife or I or a pastor or a Bible study or whatever has showed them. They're getting it. They're using it. It's becoming part of who they are. And that's one of those things where it's like we need to not just hold on to that. We need to be sharing those things, talking about those things. Um, they are more significant than a lot of the stuff we talk about on a regular basis. Um, it, it's, I know it's hard to get into spiritual conversations, but it's valuable and important. And it, it has kingdom impact. Now here, you know, as what they presented here in the psalm, there are five generations that God is hoping that we would impact. Because think about it, you know, if you can reach five generations, you, you know, they're going to keep it going, they're going to keep it I mean, you think about how many thousands of years some of the things have happened that we know about. Why do we know those things? Because we're talking about them often. They were to never lose sight of their history throughout all of their generations. They were to rehearse it. They were to memorialize it. I mean, we, we saw those things in the Word, Right? You go through the water, you put up 12 stones, so that way when you walk by, you can tell your children, oh, when we came through and this had happened. And when you have things in, you know, in your home that speak to, oh, when this happened, this is, that's why we have this hanging on the wall there or on the doorpost or whatever the case may be. God does not want us to forget what he's doing or what he's done or what he will do. Your generation should know God's work. So you need to figure out, okay, what's God doing? How is he working? How is he living in me? How is he living through me? And what do I need to pass on? And be about that. And make sure you are busy about that. But not only that, your generation needs to live God's works out. They've got to be seen. The world has got to see godliness in action. And I think the, the lie we believe is, oh, you're going to get labeled a fanatic, you're going to get labeled a nutcase, you're going to be labeled whatever. But every person I know that stands out, steps out, whatever, however you want to put it, and, and kind of lives out loud and talks about prayer and talks about church and talks about you know, their life and what God has done, guess who the first people are when someone else has a crisis? <laughs> are the people that they come to. 
the people with a relationship with God. People know they need one, but they, you know, they're believing the lie that it's like, you know, oh, God's going to ask all this unreal stuff, and it's just about rules and just about that. And nah, 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 nah. No. If you've been a believer for a couple of minutes, you know that God only wants our best. And yeah, sometimes it feels a little hard when he's sanding off a rough edge. But ultimately, he wants us to be our best representation of what he's designed us to be. And again, it's not being cookie-cutter people. It's not just kind of walking around like soldiers. He wants the, the diversity and the uniqueness of every single one of us to be this incredible you know, fruit basket of amazingness. There's a weird imagery. But that's what he wants. He wants us to embrace that difference. He wants us to pursue him with that difference because that's how it all works. That's how we connect with different people. That's how we have these testimonies that are allowed to get into someone's life and go, wow, if he can do it for you, he certainly can do it for me. Now, let's see. We'll test your awareness here. Uh, how many remember the term, the cat's pajamas? Uh, interesting. Okay, you will be interested to know that that came out of the 20s. Right, that was the, the cat's pajamas was something that was, that's the best thing going. That's the cat's pajamas. How many remember, I'll be a monkey's uncle? It's kind of a sign as difficulty. Oh, more people, yeah. That's from the 30s. Been around a couple of days, right? Uh, keeping up with the Joneses. I didn't realize this was that old, but it's, that's from the 40s. Uh, Big Brother is watching you. <laughs> that's becoming more and more confident, right? But that's from the 50s. That was a 50s term. Daddy-o. Yeah, that sounds like it's from the 60s, right? <laughs> workaholic. <laughs> no one's heard of workaholic? Oh, okay, that's from the 70s. I wonder what else was going on there. Chillin', 80s term, right? We should all know that one. My bad, right? It's, it's funny, I, 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 after I read the, or wrote these out, I, I noticed how a lot of people still use that from the 90s. And then my peeps, that's obviously only 20 years old, but still, that's 20 years old. How crazy is that? See, generational things, they catch on, right? Because they're talked about. They're remembered, they're discussed. And I'm sure there's, there's things in your own families that are family generational uniquenesses, I'll call them, <laughs> that kind of go there. So we have Kingdom Impact starts individually. It's going to spread generationally. So the next generation is knowing it and declaring it. Okay, They're saying it. That's how you know it's been caught. You start to hear it from them. Repetition is what has kept these terms known, and the same is true for biblical principles. We've got to keep these things open and aware to people. They're part of the common vernacular. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, when I'm at the bank and hearing stuff that goes on with some of them, you know, I'll say, hey, do you mind if I pray for you about that? And first people kind of go, what? And then they're like, oh, yeah, sure. Because it's like people care about what is going on in your life and they are touched by that. Um, I always hand out invitations to things we have going on to them and they're very grateful. Uh, we have some come from time to time, which is really cool. Um, but it's, it's doing 
some of these things. And you guys are probably even more creative than me. Um, but just to become part of who we are as believers that can reach out and have kingdom impact. Now, if you're single here today, determine how you can impact the next generation, whatever that might look like. You've got to figure out how you, how you can do that. Do you need to know God better to share him with others? Uh, are you living in a way that represents God well? Are you aware of God's working in your life so you can share it with others? I mean, it all starts somewhere for every single one of us, no matter where we're at. For others, for the couple, structure your life in a way that reflects God first. And I'll be the first to tell you, it's challenging and it's hard, especially with a family. Because it's like, you've got to try to keep things in a structure that has boundaries that are going to not only protect you, but protect your children and protect this generational message. And that's what you have to realize you're doing. You're protecting a message that your family speaks. Are your life choices promoting God as a priority to you and your family? Are you using daily situations to recognize how God is working? Are you reflecting on and repeating how God works in your life? It's, if we don't, and I know it's, it sounds like I'm trying to add a bunch of work to your life, and I'm not. I'm just saying, allow these things to become normal for you. Become second nature for you, where you're just, this is who you are, this is how you talk, this is what you do. Because I know some people, you know, they, they get out in the world and they second guess what they can say and do, and they're afraid, and it's like, we can't afford to do that. The world has got to hear about God and what he's doing and how he works and all these things. Because guess what? The more we, we eliminate the world from being exposed to godly things, the less and less they're going to trust anyone who talks about them. Because there's another message out there, right? About what Christians are and what they believe. And, you know, we are off base and we don't know what we're talking about and how we, why would you trust these things? Da -da 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 -da. That's the message that's starting to become more commonplace versus we serve an awesome God who can do anything. That's the better message, by far. Verse 7, let's trudge on here. That they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And so here we see that the kingdom impact is sustained persistently. You choose godly living. See, these things don't look passive, right? That they may set their hope, not forget, keep his commandments. These, these are choices that we have to make. These are decisions that we make on the front end of things. And, and then live them out. Setting your hope in God is, is choosing to live his ways. And sometimes those are challenging. Sometimes we, we have to figure out, okay, how are we going to do that? How, is our, how can our family embrace what God is asking us to do? And that's what you just talk to God about it. That's the cool thing, right? You, you talk to him about it, and he usually provides an answer. Knowing the works of God, and again, choo choosing to memorialize what God has done. I mean, think about it. If you went home today, and you know, if you are a couple... You kind of, before kids, said, okay, how did God work in our life? What did he do? What did we see him doing? And you just started to chronicle the things. 
That's, that's where you start with your kids. You know, our kids wanted to know, you know, what was it like when, before you and dad met? And, you know, how did you live your lives? And what were your choices? And those kinds of things. And it was like, you know, God was at work in me and at work in my wife long before we met. And I, and I can list blessing after blessing after blessing of things that God did in my life as a single man that challenged me, grew me, humbled me. And the same is true for my wife. And then it's like as we come in with kids and all of that, the, the things that are added there, there's more challenge. Because now my wife and I had to come to decisions. We had to choose how we were going to live our lives. We had to make these decisions and where we were going to land on these things. And then you have the kids that get older and have opinions. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's even more challenging. Because it's like, that's the generation we're trying to impact. And there are some things they embraced readily, and then there were other things that they kind of, I don't know. And you've got to come to some kind of place as a parent. Do I let them walk in this? Do I let them do this? Do I not let them do this? And you've got to, you know, that's where, to me, the relationship God has with us is so key. He gives us the truth, right? He gives us everything we need to know. But he wants us to choose it. He's not going to say, you know, oh, the thunderbolts are coming if you don't walk in my truth. Or your life's going to be miserable, so, you know, make whichever choice you want to, but it's going to be horrible. No, he doesn't do that. He just says, I want to bless you. I want to provide for you. And the context for that is this. Is that what you really want? Do you really want it? Do you trust me to do that? And he allows us to choose freely, openly. And all we have to do is choose. I didn't say it was easy. <laughs> I just said all we have to do is choose. But it's a persistence because the world is always going to try to get us to choose what's only good for us. It was awesome. Um, my daughter called me with a situation and she, she said, you know, I told this person, my dad always says, God has things that are good for us, God has things that are better for us, and God has things that are best for us. And we get to choose which one we want. And that's true. There are good things that we can choose. And yeah, they're just that. They're good things. It doesn't mean that it's God's best for us. Because sometimes that requires waiting. I'm not a waiter. <laughs> no, I am not a waiter. But the areas where I have waited, that woman is one of them. I can think of you know, three other girls that I could have married in my life probably would have been miserable. I don't know. They were good people. Don't get me wrong. But she's the best. She's been the best for me. Challenges me. Pushes me. All in good ways. Persistence. We've got to strive for it. We've got to clamor for it. We've got to go after it. We'll have good things, but that we won't have best things all the time. 
Walking in God's truth, choosing God's ways, this whole idea of obedience over dissenting voices, we can't care what the world thinks. We've got to be willing to stand with the flag of Christ in this world. Because the, the ironic part is, is we will be the people that people come to when it all starts falling apart. Because we do, we, we, God's provided the answers. So for sustaining persistently as a single, you see impact in those you invest in. You know, you're, as you start to do this, you're going to see some impact because you're going after it. You're trying to make a difference. You see people setting their hope in God. You see people talking about or recounting how God's working in your life, their life, standing with God and his principles versus walking in other ways. That starts with you doing those things. For the couple, you see the cycle repeating, which is so cool. Personal choices are connected to God, identifying God's hand in life circumstances, and being able to stand strong in biblical choices or personal convictions. I mean, when you start to see that happening, you realize there's impact happening. There's progression. But it all starts at the beginning, right? Individually. Verse 8, as we continue on. It may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Dun, dun, dun. It's always hard to talk about this part. But kingdom impact here is contrasted specifically. There are red flags you have to watch out for. And the first one is stubbornness. I want my way. You know, any toddler, you know, if, you, if you don't know what stubbornness is, we will let you work in the nursery for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> you will figure it out. But that's one of those things. We're all that way. It's not just toddlers. Sometimes it's people who act like toddlers. But it's just, it's, that's what sin has done to us. It gets us to that point where we want what we want. We want it how we want it. And it's like, it's so much better to want what God wants. And it's, it's hard because it sounds self-serving because it's every time I've given up these things that I think are important to me or valuable to me or, or are going to meet a need that I have and say, okay, God, I'm going to let you do it. I'm going to give it to you. He's always abundantly blessed me in a way. And again, it's not just in, sometimes it's relationally, sometimes it's spiritually, some, sometimes it's monetarily or with things. I mean, it's different with, depending upon what we're talking about. But it's, it's hard, I'll tell you. I mean, yeah, actually, you can ask my wife. Anytime we have to buy a car, I struggle because I want way more than what my wallet wants. <laughs> I just, I've used to have really nice cars once upon a time and I got used to that. And when you, you know, anyway, I'm going to get down on the road. It's different <laughs> today. But next, all right, stubbornness, rebellion. And that's, you want the opposite of what God wants. And it's hard. I, you know, I've witnessed to people and, you know, the, 
some of them retort with, you know, well, you know, hell's where all my friends are going to be, and you know, we're going to party and have fun there. And it's like, you have a misrepresentation of what you think hell is, if that's what you think is going to happen. But it's, it's just really, it's a rebellion. It's failing to trust God and walking in your own strength and in your own way. And that's so easy to do. You know, we think we know what we need. And it's like, I've, I've gotten what I wanted sometimes and realized, wow, this is not what I wanted. Because God will give us what we want sometimes. Go, oh, you want? You want a king? I'll give you a king. <laughs> wah, wah. It's crazy. And when we start to see those things, they should be red flags in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. A refusal to yield to God's truth, feeling having more weight than truth in your life. Living in opposition to God, moving away from him versus closer to him. All dangerous things. And when you see people that are doing that, run for them. Try to get them back. Because just because you're a Christian, it doesn't mean you're going to walk in God's ways easily. It doesn't mean it's going to be a cakewalk. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. Sometimes we need help. We need a Christian brother or sister to help us. To keep the message going. To keep it stronger. Kingdom impact is a way of life. Living out the truth of God in such a way that others are positively affected by your life. Allowing God's word to transform you so Jesus is seen and heard more and more through you. Life can become unbelievably loud. Um, you know, this morning was one of those situations for me. It was crazy. We had all kinds of glitching stuff. Downstairs, every computer system was messed up. And then it decided to update. I thought it was going to blow my head off. And all those things can distract us. You know, the songs that were chosen for today were perfect for me. They ministered to my heart. God had something in it. And the cool part is, we don't ever get together. The people who choose songs and the people preaching and all that kind of stuff, we never get together. But today's music was a perfect complement to this message. But we can get so distracted by the noise. The car that breaks down, the accident that happens, the death that just gets thrown in your face. All these things can become distractions for us. That's why there's this element of persistence that's so key to go after God's best, to go after what he wants, to continue in his ways. Life can become so loud and overwhelming that we can get lost in the noise. We must develop a persistence to strive for kingdom impact or it will disappear with all the blessing that goes with it. There's a real battle for souls. 
the souls of the next generation that we must engage and invest in. We have two segments here, right? We've got our nursery through sixth graders that we deal with every week. And we are trying to get that message into their heads and trying to help them understand who God is and how big he is and what he can do in very concrete ways. Help them understand, try to echo whatever you guys are telling them at home. Wednesday nights, we've got teenagers, right? The next group trying to do the same thing. Because they're, they're at this point in their life where they're looking at the world and they're looking at the church and they're trying to put these things together and what does it all mean? And it's challenging. That's why our message has to be consistent. Our message has to be strong. And our message needs to be God's message. See, that's something that what happens is we dilute it. It's got to be pure God, pure gospel, pure Him. Every day we have family, friends, neighbors, random people, what I call divine appointments, that we bump into. God puts in our path that we can be an impact for the kingdom of God. The goal is to see God's kingdom growing regularly. See that message starting to replicate. And we've got to be part of that. We've got to be involved with that. Starts individually, it spreads generationally, it's sustained persistently, and it's also contrasted specifically to give us some red flags to watch for. We all get opportunities to have kingdom impact, everyday living with eternal outcomes. That's really the, the basic of it. Everyday living with eternal outcomes. The question is, will we use those opportunities? The one place that we have the greatest impact on other people is in our home. Let's capitalize on that opportunity. Let's pray. Fathers, we come before you today. We're thankful. As we were reminded in the last song we sang, you are a good, good father. That is who you are. That's who you will be. That's who you can't help but being. And Lord, may we be more trusting of that each and every day. May we hold tight to your word and the truths that are there. And Lord, that we would cling to those things that are going to provide blessing in our lives, provide understanding. The fruit of the Spirit would just yield tremendously. But Lord, that we would also be willing to let go of things that whether we've grown accustomed to them because they've always been there or we're just coming to understanding that they're not good for us. Some of those things are easy to let go of and some of those things are hard. But Lord, we know that your Spirit's there to also help us and to provide for us. And we pray, Father, that that would be something we would be open to doing, yielded to you in all ways. Father, we are humbled by your word by your long-suffering, your care for us. But Lord, we are so encouraged by your grace, your mercy, your love, your care. It is overwhelming for us. Lord, use us in the communities that we affect and impact. Uh, Lord, may we have true generational impact so that your kingdom grows and these generations do not forget who God is and how he works. And it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.
And from what I understand, we have gourmet donuts to celebrate Father's Day today, so get one. <laughs> have a great week, you guys.